0: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
1: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat
0: toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm a feminist, but I stopped in the foyer of the Women of the World Festival in Norwich, I bought a handmade clutch bag from a craftswoman and I felt so good about myself. I felt like I was Gloria Steinem and the ghost of Maya Angelou was smiling down on me (laughs) for buying a handbag. (laughs) I felt like, oh, I've done such a feminist act. (laughs) What I did is I bought a clutch bag.
2: And, like, a clutch bag is the embodiment of anti-feminism in a way that, you know, women's clothes don't have pockets so we have to hold a clutch bag... Which is a very difficult, most difficult of all bags to hold, I would say. It is, but I think it demonstrates to the patriarchy...
0: This is tough, guys. Put pockets on my clothes. So I think, in a way, it's an ostentatious pocket that you're demonstrating their privilege in your hand.
2: Uh, I'm a feminist, but I keep all my change in my bra. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Didn't know why that would not make me a feminist. (laughs) Wait there. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, like you put your change in your bra because why? Cause I don't know. Sometimes when I take off my bra, it leaves little marks on it, (laughs) like the Queen's face. (laughs) You want? It's really near my areola, and I'm like, take that Queen. (laughs) The Queen's
0: not on the money in Ireland. No, but I'm over here. So what if you get a
2: pound coin you think I'll slide Yeah I only I only put coins of people's faces in my bra Harps don't interest me <laughs> And the eurozone nah not good enough
0: I'm a feminist but last night I was out with a handsome man and there were some photos taken and he asked me to send him the photos and I saw when he received the photos, he looked at them, he zoomed in on his own face, never zoomed in on me, went to the next photo, zoomed in on himself, never zoomed in on me, next to the next photo, zoomed himself, never, never, zoomed in on me and put the phone away. Right. And I was so annoyed that he would do that and not look at me in those pictures until I realised that's exactly what I'd done except on my face.
2: LAUGHTER I'm a, actually, this happened to me, I'm a feminist, but I met a comedy hero of mine and I wore a new dress because it was at, like, a business brunch and this new dress had betrayed me in the most worst way possible. Um, It was made of a material that gets eaten up by bras. So, I was chatting to this man for ten minutes, with confidence, with my whole brow, And... I walked away and I felt good chatting to him and then I looked down at myself and realized that my bra was out. And I just looked down at my chest and I said, this is what you get now, Alison, for having confidence. Shit like this happens. And then the next day I was doing a gig of him and I said, I'll just explain what happened and it will be perfectly fine. And I said, I'm really sorry, but yesterday I was talking to you with my whole bra out. And he said, I didn't notice. And then I got angry with him for not (laughs) Uh, noticing. He might have noticed, though. I did explain in minute detail what my bra looked like for
0: the next ten minutes. I'm a feminist, but when I watch The Handmaid's Tale, I really want all the handmaids to get away and stand up to the horrendous patriarchy. But also, a little bit of me doesn't, because then the show will be over. (laughs) So a tiny bit of me thinks, I know they're only characters, so can this horrendous oppression go on for at least one more season?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying, though? Yeah. If they just have a revolution. Do you think that's how people feel when they vote for Trump in one more term? They're like, I want to see how this plays out. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I won't bring out the bins. Because it's in a dark underground car park. And also I hate manual labor.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Both valid. Both valid. I don't see I don't see any conflict with feminism there at all.
2: <laughs> what it says I made my boyfriend do it. And yeah. I'm like, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm 100%. I'm likely.
2: actually just afraid of certain recycling. That's my problem.
0: <laughs> I'm with you. Humdi P. <laughs> wow. Live from Open in Norwich at the Women of the World Festival, the Spontaneity Shop presents the Guilty Feminines with me, Deborah Francis White, and guest co-host Alison Spittle, and very special guest Helen Lennon talking about Rapier League. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities that undermine them. Okay, um, so tonight, we're talking about Repeal the Eighth. Um, and we were originally going to go and do a show in Dublin, but for various reasons, um, uh,
2: we didn't. Just- so Norwich is the second best place so- to Dublin. <laughs> We didn't want it to clash with the Repeal
0: the Eighth show that was happening and sort of split the audience, that kind of thing. So we just suddenly thought we're a podcast. As long as we've got some sweet, sweet Irish love in this chair. Ooh. Why do we need to be in Dublin? Like, obviously, it would have been wonderful to be in Dublin, but.
2: Well, I just think it's kind of ironic that an Irish girl has to travel to England to do a podcast about abortion.
0: I've just realised what we've made you do.
2: I listened to a lot of Enya on the way. It was great. She's the soundtrack for introspection. So, can I get a shout from people that know what Repeal the 8th is? I'm sorry. No, no. Can I get a shout from people that don't know what repeal the eighth is? Don't worry and that's perfectly fine. Like don't feel ashamed of that. That's totally cool. So
0: what is could you for the uninitiated because there'll be people in the UK that certainly won't know as much about it as Irish people. So could you give us a beginner's guide to repeal the eighth, please, Alison?
2: I can as best as I can, but you know when you're asked to explain something and then you're like, actually, do I know as much as I think I know? Um, That's why it's called the guilty feminist. Yeah, that's true. You're flexing your feminism, you don't have to be perfect. Okay. So Ireland, as a country, it has a constitution. So um, when it wants to change a law in the constitution, it has to go to referendum. So you may have heard of the gay marriage referendum that happened two years ago. That was voted by the people um, to bring in gay marriage to change the constitution. With the Eighth Amendment, this was brought in in the 80s. It was fronted by a guy called William Binchy, who's a pro-life man. And the Eighth Amendment is basically, it means that the life of the fetus is as equal to the life of the woman. So if a woman has a pregnancy and she's in danger of dying, the doctors would try as hard to save the fetus's life as it would the woman. Now, a few years ago, the laws were changed and uh, the government thought, well, we'll try and stop women from dying and uh, we'll bring that law in. But we'll also bring in a law to appease the pro-life side that says that if you uh, procure abortion pills and take them, you can get 14 years in prison. So, we'll I'll win for both sides there. Um, <laughs> so, uh, this referendum is to get rid of the Eighth Amendment, which was brought in 30 years ago. There's been several high-profile cases. Savita Halepanavar is one. She died of sepsis. Uh, She was an Indian lady living in Galway. Her pregnancy had gone wrong. She asked for an abortion. She was told it was a Catholic country. And uh, she died two days later of sepsis. And that's what really kind of spurred the pro-choice movement maybe about five years ago. It's definitely when I took a bigger interest in it. The laws are basically now that if you have a fatal fetal abnormality which is when a fetus is not compatible with life in this country you would get a termination and you don't have to continue the pregnancy in ireland that's not the case so a lot of women have to go over to england to get medical treatment or continue with the pregnancy knowing that the pregnancy is not viable so it hurts a lot of people this amendment and also there's just people who are pregnant and don't want to be which is as valid as anything else. And they have to go over to England. Well, go over to any other country and procure healthcare. It's a big debate at the moment. I watched a debate last night on a main chat show in Ireland called The Late Late Show. And I watched a GP and an obstetrician with 40 years of experience debate with a solicitor and a Christian radio DJ about this amendment. And that's the way it's going at the moment. In Ireland, like, I'll be honest with you, I got off the plane in London today, and I was a bit disorientated to be honest with you, because there's no posters of fetuses everywhere, because that's what it's like in Dublin. There's lots of posters telling you to vote no to keep the 8th Amendment, and it's with very emotional pictures and language. 25th of May is when the people decide what happens, and um, people are trying to get information forward, um, and it's uh, very intense. I won't sugar it up for you <laughs> and do a joke, to be honest with you, because it's quite intense and sad. Um, yeah. Uh, what else do you want to know? Um, I think that's a really, really
0: good start. And we should say this also affects transgender men and non-binary. Absolutely.
2: People. I'm so sorry, Aunt. I forgot no, don't,
0: that. Don't be sorry. Obviously, it does predominantly affect women, but also non-binary, uh, you know, yeah, there are fewer people. non-binary people and
2: transgender men, but it does... Affect those people too, and do you know who it affects most is the poor, because you have to get uh, flights as soon as possible. You have to pay, like the guts of a thousand quid to get medical care. Also, we have this thing in Ireland that we're also not proud of called direct provision, which is a horrible way of dealing with undocumented people. Which is just keep them in limbo for years. They don't get to work. They get a very small allowance, and if they get pregnant. And they cannot go and get health care because they might not be allowed back into the country or they don't have any documents to go get health care. Their only option then is to get abortion pills, which could come with 14 years in prison. And do people go to jail for it? Uh, not yet, because the law is a fresh one. There hasn't been any uh, prosecutions. I know in Northern Ireland, you see, because I'm from the Republic of Ireland and we got to have solidarity with people in Northern Ireland. There's no gay marriage in Northern Ireland. They're still fighting for that. And also, abortion is very, very hard to get there too. So that gives us a picture. Clearly,
0: individual stories you can Google, but that's the idea. And we need to be doing something about it now because the vote is when?
2: The 25th of May. And the thing is, if you are Irish and you have left the country, but you've only left within the the last 18 months to go work or study, you're entitled to go back to Ireland and vote on that day, and uh, I know for the gay marriage referendum a lot of people did that. If you qualify, you should really come back and vote that day. Um, Yes. I was doing
0: a show in Dublin around the time of the equal marriage vote, and I got on a plane, and there were just so many people. I remember it was really difficult to get a flight, And I got on the plane and there were just so many young people going home to vote yes for equal marriage. And it was really, really moving because people were getting on the plane and they were kind of like cheering and sort of going, we're going to do this. We're going to bring it home. And they were sort of like amazing Mardi Gras flights.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. It was
0: amazing. And this is obviously a much sadder, like there's no party at the end of this. There's no first gay marriage in Ireland and...
2: Yeah, taken. like there's not going to be newspaper or like a TV crew outside like an abortion clinic going first abortion in Ireland. Like you know, that's not going to be happy like that. Like, the thing is, abortion is a hard thing to talk about. Uh, we all know someone that's had an abortion and it's such a hard subject to get across to people. I just want to say one thing about Northern Ireland I just forgot to say. There is something you can do about the whole Northern Ireland situation, and that is write your MPs. And I know that I was chatting to someone from Northern Ireland, and they said that if you could write to your local MP about the abortion situation in Northern Ireland that would be great also if you're um, not Irish you can't donate to any of the organisations that are pushing for a pro-choice agenda in Ireland but you can donate to this charity called the Abortion Support Network which is a charity that shouldn't exist because it's a charity to support women that are looking for healthcare over in the UK and there are people that can't afford a hotel and have to like there are people that fly in on early morning flights and fly back out well actually i'll tell you about my friend i accompanied a friend that had an abortion and i remember we got the flight to liverpool and it was the early morning flight and we were surrounded by hen and stag parties just having their first point of the day and my friend was crying and I remember we tried to pretend that there was like a spa holiday to people and it was all okay. And I remember we went into the taxi to get us from the airport and he was all lovely and chirpy. And he's like, all right, where am I bringing you? And we're like, uh, the B pass clinic, please. And uh, he turned up the radio and stopped talking to us <laughs> because it was so awkward for him. Don't worry. that was We found it really funny. Uh, <laughs> So you can too, don't worry. And it was mad being there because you try and make the best of it, so you're making all these glib jokes. If you've ever been to an abortion clinic, you're brought from waiting room to waiting room. It's like a mad crystal maze, except <laughs> except with Jeremy Kyle on the telly all the time. And you're just watching that going, you know, you've made the right decision here, you know. Um, and I remember... Um, she told me like after she got her procedure that she woke up and Magic FM was playing in the recovery room and it was the Carpenter's superstar. You know that song that goes long ago duh, 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 and she thought it was lovely and then she remembered what the chorus was and she was trying to get up before the chorus, which is, don't you remember I told you I loved your baby? Baby, 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 <laughs> So yeah, we had a laugh about that as well. And she got like lotus biscuits, do you know the ones that come in individual packs? Uh, which is what happens when you go private. Uh, you, get, you get individually wrapped biscuits.
0: Well, so, yeah. yeah, clearly you should not in the year 2018 have to come and pay money and also have a traumatic trip with loads of stagnites in order to terminate uh, no. a fetus that you don't want inside your own body. And certainly not if your life is at risk and the pregnancy isn't viable, it's terrible. Um, so we need to talk about this tonight.
2: I do find it very funny. Like, um, there's lots of posters, like, uh, they have a picture of a fetus and they go at 12 weeks, I can yawn, I can wave. And I was thinking, like, why are they thinking about what the fetus can do at that stage? I could say, like, you know, at 12 weeks, this fetus can drive a golf buggy and eat a steak. you know? It does not...
0: (laughs) Our guest today is a comedy writer who was part of the team who created The Amazing Motherland, she has also been a long-time campaigner for Ireland to change its abortion laws. Please welcome to the stage Helen Lenihan! So... Helen, tell us your relationship with Repeal. Okay. How did you get involved? Okay, so
1: so my husband is Irish, and just after we first got married, we fell pregnant, and we told everybody, even though the GP told us not to, because, like, one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage, but we just thought he was, like, really grumpy. Um, (laughs) And so we told everybody, and then we went for our scan, and there was a problem... And then I went back the next day for an internal scan, which was really horrible. And they diagnosed it with a fatal fetal abnormality. So the skull hadn't closed over the baby's head. This was at 12 weeks. So I... You were
0: living in Ireland at this time? No, no,
1: no. I was living it. I was so lucky. I didn't know I was lucky then because I didn't feel very lucky. But we were living in London and we were offered determination. So, you know... I was offered that choice, whereas in Ireland, if I had been resident there, I wouldn't have been given the choice. So I was booked in three days later, which felt like an eternity for me. And, you know, and it was a really hard, it was like over a weekend. And, you know, so it's just sad. Uh, We went to a gig. um, We just did the stuff that we'd had planned. We went for dinner at our friends and stuff, and then we had this, had the termination, and I was puking my brains out because I, all. I've since gone on to have two healthy kids, and both of those subsequent pregnancies, I just puked my brains out. I was being sick until they wheeled me into the theatre. But, you know, I was dealt with compassion, you know, all the nurses, it was the NHS, it wasn't a fancy private one. But the funny thing is, is that when I was wheeled back to my bed, my husband was asleep in it, <laughs> but um, he'd be waiting I mean... for me anxiously and fallen asleep. Is a, a bit seriously a bit rude
0: sometimes. Cisgender straight men they
1: take up all the space. <laughs> yeah, I, to, I only had like a tiny bit to
0: climb into. Did you have cover. to? You didn't kick him out, I would have woken him no. up. I would have no, been he, like, he sorry, out. He, he got out. <laughs> he well, did, listen, yeah. he's glad like, the story's had a happy ending yeah. Yeah. he, he respected even though it wasn't me. private. Did he bring you some individually wrapped biscuits? He, he brought me wine. No, he didn't. No. <laughs> Wine and he, chocolate. He was your individually wrapped biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terribly sad story, and we're very happy you've had two healthy children. I know your children, and they're an utter delight. But had you been... Because previously you'd lived in Dublin, is that right?
1: Uh, we moved, So we were unaware of this law, and we did go to live in Dublin, but my daughter was one, so my eldest was one. And I was in a playgroup and just was talking to another mum... And she told me that her friends had had the same diagnosis as us, but she had to go through with that pregnancy knowing that it wasn't going to survive birth because, you know... So So she
0: had to go through the whole nine months?
1: She went through the whole nine months, yeah. Oh, my God. Mm. But, you know, and some people choose to do it, you know, people do have that choice, and people, you know, religious-wise or however they feel. But um, I think... You You need need the choice. You need the choice, you know. It's your body. When we found out, it was kind of one of the reasons we left Dublin and we moved back over to the UK. And then my husband is quite vocal on Twitter, and so he does get on his high horse about the whole Repeal the Eighth business. And then Amnesty got in touch with us, and uh, we launched a campaign to you know, instigate the repeal of the Eighth Amendment. And since then, you know, I've met so many women, Irish women, women from Northern Ireland that have just had the worst stories and it just completely reduced my story, if you like, into nothing. You, I know that sounds terrible, but I really did feel lucky because, I mean, some of the stories you hear are just devastating. But... You know, there are also, like you were saying, the abortion support network. Yeah. Mara Clark. Yeah, yeah she's, she's amazing. Just amazing. I mean, she started this charity. I think it was just from she met this girl at a bus stop, and she was, just didn't know what to do, and she gave her her own money to help her to fly over here. There's midwives for choice. I've met so many medical staff from Ireland who are just so frustrated. The master of the Rotunda, a big maternity hospital in mm-hmm. Dublin, Fergal Malone, he's amazing, and he's just so pro-choice.
2: Yeah.
0: So what can we do? How can we help? If you're tweet about that- it, you need
1: to tweet about it. Yeah. Tweet it's about it on Facebook, Instagram.
2: What's the hashtag? Um, together for yeah. Together for yes, yeah. together um, for which, yes,
1: which looks sure. like it looks like together four eyes because <laughs>
2: yeah. you see it. Is.
1: It's the number four. I was saying to Anna, I was saying so like it's not four together four eyes. It's not together <laughs> four together
2: eyes. Together for yes. Together for yes. So we need to tweet about it. We need to Instagram, Facebook, all of those things. Yeah, and if you and if you want to donate, like the Abortion Support Network would, I'd say, really could do with a few quid. Okay,
0: so we need to donate to the Abortion Support Network. Yeah. Um, What else can we do? Loads of people
1: have got Irish um, relatives over here. Talk about it. Abortion is something that nobody wants to talk about. But like you were saying earlier, Alison, we all know someone who's had an abortion, but nobody wants to talk about it. But I think we need to talk about it a bit more. Mm. Women need counselling and it needs to be understood. I mean, after I had my... Miscarriage. That's how I yeah. refer to it. I thought, yeah, I was fine. In fact, they gave me these amazing sedatives afterwards. So I came out of the hospital feeling fucking brilliant. And Graham's like, you OK? I was like, yeah, come on, let's go for dinner. And he was like, are you sure? We went for dinner and I was just a bit spaced out texting everyone i'm fine it's yeah. fine you know and then and then it was like oh great you know i started just talking nonsense
0: and um he had to take me home really quickly but um there are moves here in the uk there are people increasingly who stand out the front of abortion clinics with religious oh, paraphernalia yeah. and signs and discouraging women from going in mm. i was staying around the corner from one in new york And every time I walked past, there were people with rosary beads and there were people chanting, praying. It's so awful. If you have to go in for a termination, it's bad enough anyway to have to get through a picket line. So there are places, there are councils now in the UK that have banned this. And so we should also be lobbying our councils to make sure that's banned. If you have an abortion clinic near you or a Planned Parenthood or anything like that near you and you see this going on, you need to take personal responsibility for your local community to stop that happening, I think. And we need to find ways of making this easier in the UK. But here it is legal, except in Northern Ireland. We also need to take responsibility for that. Yeah. Is all we can do right to our MP about Northern Ireland?
2: I think so. Because um, I asked my friend, because I was like, I'm going under guilty feminist. And. I don't know what I'm talking about, uh, about Northern Ireland. Because like, yeah, you're not from Northern Ireland. I'm That's not from okay. Northern Ireland. The Republic of Ireland, it's mad. Because I'm sure like a lot of you might not know a lot about Northern Ireland. I feel that you don't. Um, but I think it's great and that Derry Girls that. has happened. and <laughs> Yeah. I mean, no, I'm not judging at no, all. Definitely not. Because, we're, we, I mean, we share a land border. And we don't share, um, you know, government or anything like that. So it's a bit different. But yeah, you can pressure your MP. So, to, pressure your MP. To liberalise the
0: abortion laws in uh, Northern Ireland. We should go to Northern Ireland and do another episode. We're so sorry we couldn't have gone to Ireland, um, the Republic Don't of be Ireland, to do this episode. No, no, because it would have been nice to do it.
2: But if It's we very nice that you've done it in the first place, Deborah. Like, I want to thank you for doing this episode, because a lot of people are not Irish, because it's happening across the Irish Sea. And Helen, thank you so much for telling your story. And this is not like... Yeah. Um, I just want to say that it's really brave of you to tell your story. There's people in Ireland that are humanising the debate by sharing their personal stories. And we owe such gratitude to them. Because if it wasn't for them, it would just be very angry people shouting at each other. Like myself, just spouting at statistics that I'm not quite sure of. Do you know, when you know there's people humanising this... And um, it's a big sacrifice to make. I have a friend called Tara Flynn who's an amazing comedian and writer. And she shared her personal story with Amnesty. And I'm just inspired by her because she's incredible. She takes such a lot of flack off people from making a decision that people really shouldn't judge. It should be a personal you shouldn't be telling people about this you shouldn't be sitting on yeah. the stage chatting about exactly.
1: this. Yeah. Well, I, was, I was really nervous about it actually because we went over to Belfast and overnight I think the Guardian posted an interview that we gave Amnesty and I was just really worried that I was going to get a lot of hate on Twitter and everything and surprisingly I was just overwhelmed with support and people sharing and their stories with me, you know. I do get the odd trial. I do get the odd um, crazy person calling me a murderer and stuff. I had somebody on Facebook ask me if I would kill them. <laughs> would you kill me? They said, you know. You should go. What have you done? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's strange and it's sad because that always sticks. You know, all well, the negative always sticks. But you know, I'm chuffed that the main response has been amazing i just think people need to share their stories a bit more but nobody wants to talk about it you know it's a very very private personal matter
2: in ireland we also have this thing called abortion advice centers which are pro-life organizations pretending to give advice to women with crisis pregnancies they'll offer to give them a scan and they will give them no information about how they can get access to abortions and they just try and badger them into not having an abortion and the thing is that this eighth amendment has been in for more than 30 years it's older than I am and the pro-life side they say there's a better alternative to abortion but they've had more than three decades come up with a better alternative and they haven't I just feel like sometimes people are pro-birth rather than pro-life. There's been no offer, Do you know, like where a pro-life person will give out about a woman getting a abortion for a social reason and they say, like, we as a society have failed, but you are not helping society not fail those women. You're just telling them to not have an abortion. You're just forcing them to go to England. Like, abortions happen in Ireland every day. Twelve women get abortions. Um, nine travel over to written and three procure abortion pills it's happening you can't or, stop it happening or they drink bleach you know. or they drink bleach or they yeah or throw they themselves come downstairs, come downstairs or desperate you know. desperate yeah and women have died because of this law and it needs to stop it's amazing to have people share their personal stories but i think This law should have been stopped a long time ago. When doctors are saying we cannot do our jobs properly, we don't know what we can legally do to help women, then it should be stopped.
0: What do you think the chances are,
1: Helen, for a yes vote? I'm really hoping. I just hope it's really tough because the pro-life campaign have a lot of money and as Alison was saying Ireland is just speckled with you know inundated with posters that portray a lot of propaganda it's not fact they portray us in the UK as having like um Abortion's in our lunch breaks, you know? Yeah. They call it abortion on demand. Yeah, which is absolute. Nobody wants to have an abortion, whatever. Live
0: streaming, is that what they're they're implying? On demand? They're implying... Wasn't there some statistic that they said one in five fetuses are terminated? No, they
2: said babies like that's the emotive language but still those statistics are right, not
0: right
1: they're not right um way. they don't actually collate those statistics anyway so it's just brilliant that there are organizations like BPAS who actually offer i think they Peace offer counts. they offer free abortions at the moment for Irish girls coming over they're amazing and all the staff that work there they're just incredible and there's also a clinic in Norwich um, is it, there? If you, if you don't know... There's
2: no direct flight stuff from Ireland, so <laughs> sort that out. <laughs> no, there, there isn't.
1: <laughs> but just for the audience tonight, if you didn't know, it's handy to know that BPAS do have a clinic in Norwich. Um, so if you're listening
0: to this at home, this podcast is free, so could you please give to the Abortion Support Network or BPAS? Helen, is there anything else you'd like to tell us about or let us know about? Oh, no, well, I'm just sorry I'm not very funny tonight. No, you're listen, fine. you're talking about something that's deeply personal and you're sharing it for the best possible reasons and we cannot thank you enough for coming and doing that. We know it's a big deal.
2: Please welcome to the stage, Deborah Frances White. <laughs> So this
0: isn't stand-up comedy, but what it is, is um, in order to win the repeal vote, we clearly have to persuade. And there are people living in Ireland that are currently trying to persuade. And sometimes it feels like persuading somebody else of their strongly entrenched view, especially if we think they're wrong or bigoted or in some way, oppressing or marginalising, you think, they'll never change their mind. They're set in their ways, or they're set in the past, or they're from a totally different standpoint. You know, you might find a men's rights activist on Twitter, or something like that, and you think, they'll never change it. It's really easy to just want to stand behind a wall and throw things, or say, you know, there's no point. This is not about repeal, but this is about this idea of changing minds and reaching out to people who don't think like us and don't have to think like us. But where we are thinking in ways that are more accepting, it's important that we try. I got an email yesterday, and I just wanted to read it out to you because I I think we need hope right now. No matter whether we're here with um, Brexit and the attendant societal pressures around that, Whether you're listening from America and you're dealing with Trump, other parts of the world where there are extraordinary things going on, or whether you're in Ireland and you're feeling like, can we ever win this? Hopefully this email will give you some hope. Dear Deborah and everyone else who has been part of the Guilty Feminist podcast, I would like to first thank you, Sophie Hagen, guests and co-hosts, for really broadening my horizons. Since beginning to listen to the podcast, I have been awakened to the way in which my admittedly patriarchal mind Was judging those that I saw as other, others in caps. This would include other ethnicities, gender, and sexes. I have always thought of myself as the normal, in inverted commas, which is ridiculous if you consider the fact that I am a white, cisgender, straight male. Isn't it amazing when you end up looking at yourself through the labels others apply to you and thinking, I am the other? Since beginning my feminist awakening, I have begun examining my attitude towards the other. I love hearing the viewpoints of those that I would never understand without the conversations that happened on the podcast. I believe that I would not have the life that I currently have without access to these opinions, facts, and inspirational conversations. I feel that the podcast has helped shape my thought processes towards an examination of my automatic and, quite frankly, disgusting reactions to what I hear happens, to what I still unfortunately understand as the other, in a way that I can discard those that do not fit in with what I have learned. I wish I could apologize for the patriarchy and white, cisgender, straight males as a whole, but that would be false. I still cannot feel accountable for others that have historically or currently enjoyed my racial, gendered and sexual orientations. I would like to say that from now on, every time I have a derogatory thought about those who do not fit my narrow view of the world, I shall challenge myself. I can't promise that I will not feel the way I feel. I can promise that I will assess these feelings using as much knowledge that I have gained and challenge myself on these feelings." To reference the times that you have read emails from my gender, sexuality, and ethnicity, you and others like you are the reason we are opposed to feminism. Because you and others like you challenge our preconceptions and out and out privileges. Please continue to do this. Please continue to challenge the patriarchy. You and those like you are the fire that will burn away the patriarchy and bring equality to the world. Thank you, Lawrence. I wrote back to Lawrence and said, do you mind if I read this out on the podcast? Because it might be the best email I've ever got. (laughs) Because I think as a feminist and doing a show like this, which is wonderful and gathering this feminist army, I really do feel like, you know, it's giving us all, we give each other courage and we give each other strength and we give each other hope. But sometimes we might feel like, oh, we're preaching to the choir. The people that listen to this are going to be the people that are attracted to it and already think these things. And of course, we shape each other's ideas. And I've learned so much from the guests and the co-hosts on the podcast. I've been educated. It's been a privilege to have my mind changed and awakened as well. And I did say that to Lawrence and I've become much more aware of my own privilege from doing the show. But sometimes you think, well, someone who's really opposed though, Someone who's on the totally the other side of this is never going to be one around. But he's just kept listening. Something about it drew him in. And at first, I imagine he was thinking, well, that's a load of rubbish. But he just started to think, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And that just made me so happy because maybe there's other Lawrences out there listening. If there are, please write in and tell us. Um, So I wrote to him and said, do you mind? I think this is brilliant. And do you mind if I read it out? And is it OK if I say your name? And he said, Deborah, you may, of course, read this out if you wish. And then he said, and this was, I think, the best part, the email started out as a question about whether to join a protest about Donald Trump visiting the UK. I decided that probably I should make this decision by myself. (laughs) And thought it would be best to say thank you instead. Ah. And I thought, Lawrence has been listening to the episode about emotional labour. And he's gone... It's not for Deborah to say, well, why am I asking her? It's just, it's, I'm just going to go, listen, thanks. I'll think about this on, on my own time. Um, he does say later, I'm still deciding about the protest. <laughs> I feel that denying people with abhorrent views entry when they are head of state interferes with our ability to influence their opinions and actions through debate and conversation. I also believe that Donald Trump wouldn't listen. <laughs> and then he says, a great big feminist high-five to you. Um, he is super awesome, I think. And because he started out feeling like everyone that wasn't him was the other. And he said, really honestly, I still get these feelings. But now I examine them. Now I fight them. Now I think, hmm, you know, flip that around. Hold on, I'm also the other to somebody else. And that really gives me hope. And it gives me hope that we can, we can win things. Like, I don't know that, you know, 20 years ago, equal marriage would have been one in Australia. And now it has been. Because minds are changed. And minds are changed often by positive people... It, they, listen, they're changed by radicals getting very angry and fury, in part. But they're also changed by warm, wonderful people on the television who are gay. And they're just being gay. And people watching television who previously thought of themselves as homophobic went, Oh yeah, I'll be friends with them, though, but I like them, though. Oh, hold on. There's a lot of people who I like on the television, or on the radio, or who are now out living in my street. And why can't they get married? And so, warmth, positivity, comedy, you know, anything you can broadcast, anything you can get out there, anything you can put out into the world that is warm and entertaining and lively and inviting and welcoming and inclusive, it's really worth doing. You are not necessarily just preaching to the choir. Um, feel free to be angry and also know that anger isn't the only tool in your box. Thank you very much. Your amazing television show, Motherland, is coming back to our screens. It's a brilliant, brilliant sitcom if you haven't seen it. And uh, if you want to see how funny Helen Linehan is, then please watch
2: Motherland, and it's coming out in another series soon. Follow Alison Spittle at. Oh, uh, Alison Spittle. Follow me on Twitter. I, I just want to say, I think, I, I feel that it's going to pass because. Yeah, um, I, I, like, hope. I hope. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I don't have hope, then. Because like, th- this country, my, sorry, Ireland, not this country. This country's actually not failed me. Uh, it's been fine. Um, just but, you wait. Huh? Yeah. Just you wait. <laughs> I'm just you But I just want to say that um, like Ireland needs to cop on with its relationship with women it needs to look at its past, it needs to look at its future and it needs to change what it's doing now. And I just want to give a shout out to there's people that are organising Together for Yes groups in very rural parts of Ireland. These are people living in villages, maybe it's just four of them and it is affecting their social lives and stuff and they're making a stand and those people are incredibly brave and like, it's okay for me, I live up in Dublin and I can go on Twitter and I can touch and everything. I got repeal shit which is what keeps the way uh, pro-life trolls but there are people that live in rural Offaly or Galway that have to share their personal stories with people that they know and that's going to change their lives forever and they're the bravest people and um, forever great I'm going to cry I'm not um, just forever grateful to them and they're brilliant and uh, I love them they're the ones that stand on their
1: street with a trestle table with t-shirts on it you know yeah. and like it's just incredible those people let's keep our fingers crossed that it does pass because you were saying earlier, you know, we can't really celebrate it, but I'm going to have a bloody good drink that night if we do win.
2: It's just going to be relief for Irish women because Irish women have taken so much shit generally and we need a break. And the break is healthcare. Like, that's what we need, not to be afraid that our laws are going to kill us. That's all, like, that would be quite nice.
1: You know if men could get abortions you 'd get them on Amazon. I mean, if men could have babies you 'd be able to get abortions on Amazon, Do you know what
2: on you Amazon <laughs> you
0: know certainly what I mean? Groupon. You'd get them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're right. If cis men could get pregnant, this would have, be a very different conversation because yeah. the power base. We wouldn't would be very be different. have. We wouldn't have. We this. would not be having have this yeah. conversation. But
2: well, the amazing thing is now that we have to engage with men because the men are fifty percent of the population. This referendum will not be defeated without men. So it's been amazing to see there's been some famous sports people, some comedians that are men that really don't have to get involved. Like, they may feel like it's not their issue, but we have to make it their issue because it won't be defeated without men on our side. And um, I'm hopeful. I really am hopeful. Look, I'm going to have a gin and tonic now in a minute and not think about it too much. That's my thing in life. Drink and don't think too much about the bigger picture. (laughs)
0: Um, thank you so much for coming to England to talk to us about this Alison Flew here especially um, which was amazing of her and we hope that after the 25th of May you never ever have to come to England again (laughs) or either to talk about Repeal the 8th or for any other medical reason but we hope you do come often and entertain us with your incredible comedy
2: oh that's very nice thank you Um, and
0: uh, thank you to Helen who is local here from Norwich this is very personal to Helen and she has worked tirelessly the first time I ever heard about Repeal the Eighth was through Helen and she's really really worked hard for this so I just want to say thank you so much for coming I know if you are one of life's natural amazing writers as you are it's not easy to come and tell a story like this but even as a performer I wouldn't find it easy to come and tell that kind of story you know it's so personal so I really really again I just want to say thank you Thank you, thank you. you. To cheer us up, Alison Spittle has to do the bit about follow the guilty feminist on Twitter, and we've asked her because we knew we'd need a bit of cheering up at the end of this to do it in the style of Danny Dyer.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All white, you slags. Follow The Guilty Feminist on Twitter at, at Guilt Check out our latest Instagram, Instagram forward slash The Guilty Feminist. Like our Facebook page, sign up to our mailing list to get notified as soon as a new episode is released. And please go to Apple Podcasts and rate, review and subscribe. <laughs> It helps others find the podcast. And give it five stars. Nah. <laughs> nice.
0: No! You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Emma White, guest host and Francis White, guest-girl host, Alison Spittle And i very special guest, and a half. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. Music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Zelinski for the Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Tony and Hannah at Train Live and everyone at Women of the World and Opening Norwich. As well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit GutsandPeppers.com.
2: First of all, we're going to have a little bit of stand-up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, to be honest with you now, I was just going to do the stand-up about that, about the trip to the clinic. Oh, but OK, I've but it you just said sitting it down. sitting down. So that was a bit of sit-down about it. Um, <laughs> that's thanks To be honest with you, I put in a lot of physical effort with that. So, you know. be applauding. I've done my time, um,